Hi, I'm Morgan. I'm Odette. And I'm Madeline. And, and we, we love Christian fiction. fiction. We love it so much that we wanted to talk about it on a podcast. Each episode, we will read classics of the genre or new releases. And discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. So come join us. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone. Hi, everyone. We're so glad you're here. Yes. Yes, welcome to episode Eight episode eight. Yes. Episode eight. The first episode in our in our next theme. Yes. What is our theme, ladies? Nostalgia. Nostalgia. Wow, this is a very fun theme. Yes. Our young hearts are rejoicing. <laughs> Not that we have old hearts now, but I feel like our childhood hearts are rejoicing. Yes. Yes. So we, yeah, we we picked this theme and kind of decided on the books for this theme based on books that were or books and stories that were special. To us specifically. Yes. As children. Yes. Yeah. And the fun thing is, the first book that we read here, Christy, by Catherine Marshall, which is the book that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. that Madeline and Morgan read, but I never read it. So that's really yes. fun. And then the second book in the series is actually the Mandy books by Lois Gladys Leopard. And we're just, and those are really sh- uh, short childhood books. And those mm-hmm. ones uh, Madeline has never read. Yeah. So it, it's a fun theme because yeah. we get to ex- talk about it as the lens of adults for those of us who read them as children, and then also just like the lens of reading it for the first time as an adult. So it's very exciting, and we're glad you're here for it. Yay! <laughs> that was the same right. tone of my <laughs> 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 exactly. um, All right, so Mads, do you want to read the back cover copy? Yes. <clears throat> so this is Christy by Catherine Marshall, and we did want to say that this will be a two-part mm-hmm. oh, yes. episode. Because yes. <laughs> if any of you have read It's like 500 scene, pages, for the record. Um, <laughs> you <people>. know. <laughs> it's a chunker. Yes. You, you know there's a lot going on here. So we decided to split it into two episodes. So this yes. is part one. Christy, part one. But let me go ahead with the uh, back cover here. Mm-hmm. The train taking 19-year-old teacher Christy Huddleston from her home in Asheville, North Carolina, might as well be transporting her to another world. The Smoky Mountain community of Cutter Gap feels suspended in time, trapped by poverty, superstitions, and century-old traditions. But as Christy struggles to find acceptance in her new home, some see her and her one-room school as a threat to their way of life. Her faith is challenged and her heart is torn between two strong men with conflicting views about how to care for the families of the Cove. Yearning to make a difference, will Christy's determination and devotion be enough? Wow. Oh man. Oh man. Color me intrigued. <laughs> All right. So, star ratings. Yes. yes star, star ratings. Who wants to start? Um, I do not want to start. Is okay. What I'm I'll start. I'll start. Okay, go for it. Um, I gave this book five stars. And now I will say there was at one point I was oh, trying dead space. I, I was five trying stars. to. I will say this was the fourth or fifth time I've read this book. This is an extremely comfort read book for me. So. It was kind of guaranteed to get five stars. I had a moment towards mm-hmm. the end of the book where I was like, oh, I could be hy- hypercritical about this and give it like 4.75, but I ultimately decided wow. to not do that because I love this book so much. Five stars. So I think that I would like to point out, Morgan, that this is the first time on the podcast that yes. one of us has given a five-star rating. If you remember the episode of Dee Henderson, my sister Amelia gave the negotiator five stars. She said, technically, she said between 4.5 and 4.95 is what she <laughs> so said. So then she said five. It's true. Okay. Anyway, so what I'm saying is this is a monumentous moment that we got a five-star review from the OG Redeeming Lit podcasters. So. I okay. mean, that is, that's true. Like, mark it in the history books, people. Okay. This happened to Write it down. Christy <laughs> yeah. by Catherine Marshall. Honestly, <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, 
obviously if you're listening to this podcast you enjoy reading books and you have a probably great taste in books I imagine but if you know anything about Morgan and you might not but maybe you only know what what you've heard from the podcast she has excellent taste in books mm-hmm. so for her to give Christy five stars is pretty and she's very critical of books too I, yeah, she. Yes. I mean, she. She knows what she's talking about. Yeah, I just have read a lot of books. I would. I would naturally so, say. So she knows what she's talking about. It's a good book. <laughs> so that's significant. Five stars for Morgan. Do I have to go yes, next? Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> that's like absolutely. I'm not going. I'm gonna let you too because this was your nostalgia childhood. That's book. fine. That's that's true. Um. So I, Christy is a four point five for me, a solid four and a half, for me. Um, I love this book. This is actually only the second time, though, that I've read it um, all the way through. Um, and it's an accomplishment. I feel like reading it at the end, you're like, ooh! I mean, I was like, I'm very familiar with the story yes. because both Morgan and I grew up watching the Christie TV series. Yes. Um, which, which is probably what we're really nostalgic for. When we say nostalgia, I, Madeline and I, I think oh. we're probably more nostalgic for oh, the yeah. TV series than I mean, even did the you read the book before you watched the series? No, I read the series, or I watched the series first. That's what I did yeah. too. I, I watched the whole series. And I was like, much younger. Like, yeah. And then I read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a whole, the, all, all of it's nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, four and a half stars. I'm very, this was the second time reading it. <clears throat> There's not, I mean, this type of novel for me is, is just what I like mm-hmm. in a novel. Like the, the subject matter, the pacing, the style of writing. I just mm-hmm. enjoy all of it. Mm-hmm. I yes. love it. I love it all. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll have some things to say that I didn't like. 100% love, but for the most part, like, this style of novel is just, like, I'm into it. It's sublime. It's yeah. my thing. Mm-hmm. And we were talking, because um, Madeline and I listened to it on the audiobook. I also listened to it. Oh, you what, and so did Morgan. What a trip. Oh, it literally feels so like you're it's immersed magic. in it, and, okay, so, like, I had to listen to it at... 1.6 speed which actually surprisingly kind of sounded like my own pace of speaking mm-hmm. and then like to lit earlier today I put it up to 1.8 and I could still hear it fine like yeah. it was literally I was like is this what it feels like when people talk to me because <laughs> <laughs> at first yeah. you're like oh that's a little fast and then you instantly kind of connect with it but I will say too it felt like a very immersive book so I can understand how like as a child it would the story you could just get lost in it mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah and also PSA for those of you who want to know um, you can watch a show on YouTube for free. Oh yeah, it's in ten minute clips, but you can absolutely watch yeah. it if you the look up the whole entire series. Yeah, and it, yeah. we highly recommend it. It's so. Good. I have not seen it, but we we had a little taste um, to meet some characters before we recorded the podcast, and delightful. Um, so I would say that definitely worth um, your time and the energy. Mm-hmm. I will say also a disclaimer for those of you who care about quality of picture, so to speak. Oh. Of like, it is from the early '90s, so it's like. Probably what four four twenty probably probably four twenty on yeah. YouTube. <laughs> yeah. So th- those of you who th- who that matters, just throwing it out there as a just, PSA. Just know that yeah. that is what it is. Exactly. Um, so start rating from under right that. Three point five. Okay. 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 That's what I want to do last. So, um, for me, I liked so many things about it, but there was also some things that reading it as an adult that I had a problem with, and you know, and so not in the sense of Christy, it was more like characters, the way that, that things were, were treated or even some of the religion. And then I also like looking at it from this point of view, there's 
um, some things that I thought about as like a woman that I was like, I understand that it was that for that time period, but just reading it now, you're like, oh. And I also know that this story, I don't know if we said this in the, in the podcast, is based on a true story of, mm-hmm. what's her name? Um, her name was Leonora Whitaker Wood. Yes. And this is, it's her story. Yes. It's definitely been fictionalized, but yes. her daughter wrote the book based on her mother's experiences as her a school stories. teacher missionary exactly. in the Appalachian Mountains. In yeah. a little town called Del Rio, Tennessee. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of part of it is like, while I was reading it, I was like, well, this was someone's real experience, but there is, it is fictionalized a little bit. Right. Sure. So, and also I did enjoy it. And I, I do think that if I watch the show too, I think it would kind of be a nice little parallel. It will will enhance it for you. Yeah, for sure. But it it was a little bit reminiscent at certain parts to me of Anna Green Gables. Mm Mm-hmm. Same, well, yeah, same exact time. Well, not same exact close yeah very very similar it, time it felt very even the fact that she was like a spirited like young woman who asked questions and wasn't afraid to like yes. you know go on adventures yeah. and like anyway so there was parts of that that felt very like oh i oh you a child odette would have enjoyed this also i have to say this we'll post this in our stories so when we originally were doing <laughs> sorry oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so when we were originally talking about this book oh yes okay yes so i read these books when i was a kid by robin jones gunn the Christy Miller series. Mm-hmm. Very different. This was about a girl named Christy who was like a Christian girl living her life. She was a teenager and she was dating this guy Todd and it was like their like youthful love and adventure. And then they eventually <laughs> went had college years and then they were like post-college years, whatever. But the thing is that's a very different book than like 1912 Appalachian Mountains in Tennessee. Yes. <laughs> very different. <laughs> very different. So, like, so literally when I got this book from the library and you'll see the picture that we posted today with the uh, podcast re- release it's an old school cover the one that I thought it was when they were talking about this book is like this <laughs> picture of a girl and her boyfriend like on the beach like having a little picnic like it's very different also very very different and so and she did she did send us a picture and I was like, making she's sure. like is this the right book and they were like <laughs> absolutely like, yes. and then they were like what do you mean and then I literally sent the picture to the other one they were like oh yeah so we'll, <laughs> so, so we'll share that for comparison too oh um, but also if you read the Christy Miller books as a child and also thought at first that's what we were talking about when you heard us say that we're reading Christy would love to know honestly send us an email because I would like to know that I wasn't the only ones who read it or maybe that's why like they're hard to find now and it's like eh. <laughs> they weren't very popular so and, and, anyways, I think they actually I think they were pretty popular okay I've um, never we've just them. never read them oh, well because if you have OG Christy then <laughs> I want to point out I'm just going to name drop a little bit here but Annie F. Downs loves both this Christy and the Christy Miller series because oh, wow. she interviewed Robin Jones Gunn on her podcast wow there you go love that um do we need to then at some point, add any, that to our any downs. If you are listening, we love you, we and we absolutely you. want to collab with you anytime, any place. Yes, you let us know because we think it'd be so fun. Gmail.com. It'd be so fun. <laughs> it would be fun, and it you know what? So fun. It sounds real fun to us. <laughs> so we're a blast. Fun. Okay. Anyways, yes. all right. Let's. Oh, that good. Yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> so, Madeline, I feel like you have some fun oh, okay. reviews to share so of people. So before we jump into <laughs> discussing briefly the plot, uh, I've got to share with you some reviews <clears throat> that I found for this book, just for fun, you know, because there's a lot we of different, these. there's a lot of people in this world, there's a lot of different opinions in this it's world. True. And some people have really hilarious opinions. That <laughs> so true. Okay. And they post them on the internet. And so they post them on the internet for everybody <laughs> Thank you, to people. enjoy. We Thank appreciate you. you. 
So this is this review is a three star review from Jenna. She says, I can see why this is Grammy's favorite book. <laughs> Solidly. That's Solidly. It. That's, that's it. it. That's, that's it. it. No, that's the whole review. That's the whole review. <laughs> well, your so grandmother has good taste. We Jenna. have no idea what that means, Jenna, but three <laughs> okay. stars. I can see that's hilarious. <laughs> okay, Hannah said three and a half stars. Liked the characters, the plot, and the history. Disliked the writing, the love story, and the ending. What? I feel like wow. her review is one big contradiction. <laughs> what? Wait, wait, what did she dislike? What? The she dis- ending? She disliked it. She huh. disliked the okay. ending and the love story? <laughs> yep. Wow. wow. Okay, well, we have thoughts on that, too. And the writing. You're- so. <laughs> so she didn't like it. You're- Why did you give it the same rating as me? We have very different opinions, <laughs> Hannah and I, if ever you are. Okay, this one is just, I included this here because it's just wildly confusing. <laughs> God, mm-hmm. I love. This is a three-star review from Aaron. Okay. She says, or he says, I'm not sure. Point in favor. They all get, point in favor. They all get typhoid fever, and it is super exciting. What? Is he a fan of typhoid? Or she? Are they a fan of typhoid? <laughs> point against. There are some pretty adult themes. Huh? And the love triangle is stressful because both guys are lousy. <laughs> well, I don't know what's so exciting about typhoid, Aaron. Maybe they're a medical student. Yeah, if they're a medical student, there were kind of a lot of details about the typhoid. There was a lot typhoid. of details. Okay, so. I have two more. Okay. Okay, go ahead. This is a two-star review. Okay. Oh, I love a good two-star. From Darlene. Oh, Darlene. <laughs> Bring it. Wow. <laughs> it probably deserves more than two stars. But it must, but it must have read it. But it must have read it thirty-seven years ago. <laughs> That's the reveal. Wait, what? Wait, what's your last one? Darlene says, "Wow, it probably deserves more than two stars." But it must have read it thirty-seven years ago. Maybe she meant she must have read it thirty-seven years ago. Wow. I think that's what's happening. Here. But still, it's she's kind just of kind of. Read it 37 years ago, so she's going to play on the safe side, give it two stars. <laughs> but it probably deserves more than that. <laughs> so thank you, Darlene, for your honesty. We appreciate okay, you. Okay, final one here. Right. Lee said, Lee gave it two stars. <clears throat> and this person said, the story started off good, but the halfway, but by the halfway point, the story started dragging. Too many references to religion. <laughs> Looking at life in the 1800s was interesting, but glad when the book was finished. Okay, it was first 1912, not the 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, for murder, make him had a fine man when they said she turned 40. And multiple times in the book, she's she like turning 37. Oh, I thought it was 37. Seven. <laughs> 37 plus, is better than 40. Oh, well, so there you go. Right there are some interesting reviews for you. Awesome. <laughs> if you find interesting reviews of your own on any books that we read, we'd love for you to yes, send them for to us. Sure. We love weird reviews. Especially yes. like one star and five star because yes. the extremes are so great. Extremes are fabulous. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Okay. So, what chapters, since this is a two parter, are we covering mm-hmm. today more? Chapters about? 1 through 23. Okay. Literally Let's half of the book. Let's dive, dive in. in. <laughs> okay. Just all did an awkward dance. <laughs> <laughs> this is a video podcast. Okay, so it starts out with Christy Huddleston, and she is on a train headed to Cutter Gap, Tennessee. She has accepted a 
teaching position. School teaching position. At a one-room schoolhouse. A one-room schoolhouse. Yes. She, uh, there was a visiting preacher to... Dr. Folsom. Folsom? Dr. Ferrand. Oh. I was like, I don't know who that is. (laughs) There's a lot of characters. I feel like just disclaimer too. um, I'll just say this real quick, Morgan, if I can jump Mm -hmm. in here. So if you're reading the book, there is a lot of characters and like maps in the beginning of the book. Don't worry about them. They'll make more sense. I tried to read them and then I got overwhelmed. So there is a lot of characters. There's a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of families. There's a lot of things thrown at you. Um, but if you just take the, like read the, start, start, start the book at chapter one or even the prologue, cause the prologue is basically, um, the author's point of view of why she wrote the book cause she heard the stories from her mother. So it's not really right. relevant to, yeah, you don't even, if you don't want to, you don't no. even need to start. No. It's cool, but yes, you could just right. jump right into the book yeah. and be fine. Anyway, so just as a disclaimer, I would say for those of you who, this is your first time reading the 500 page book, just start at chapter one. <laughs> No, I was just gonna say you, you must not read a whole lot of like <laughs> books that are like bigger in length because you keep referencing that it's 500 pages. Well, it's just that the last couple books that we read have been like a 300 pages. That's I true. just had a harder time getting into this book. That's fair. I and think it's, that that's and why. It's, and it's written, or I think it was written in the 50s or 60s, mm-hmm. but it takes place in the early 1900s. So there's definitely some language stuff yes. and, and, the, yeah. and the tone of the writing's different. But anyways, yes. so she's on a train. She Dr. Ferrand came to her church, gave, what, 67? Okay, yes. I thought it was, yeah. Um, okay, but so anyway, so he inspired her. And she yes. was like, heard about Cutter Gap, heard about the needs she's of these 19. people. She yeah. is 19 years old, and she had a semester of junior college. I thought she had a year and a half of junior oh, college. Oh, did she have a year and a half? Yeah. Okay. And Anyways. she left, and her parents, like, she had to convince her parents to go, because it was yes. like, very uncommon in, the 19, in, that, in that time period of 1912, where you would just leave your family and kind of go off. But also the dangerous adventure. area. Yes. Like, it's, it's very isolated mm-hmm. up in the mountains, in the Appalachian Mountains. And it's hard to get, because Dr. Fran talked about how hard it was to get to, and like, this is a big deal, and they can't get supplies to these people sometimes, so everybody's poor, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sure her parents were like, uh, this is the first time you're going away from home, and it's to this super dangerous place, we don't want you to go. Yeah. Um, but she convinces them, and she goes. Mm-hmm. So she gets, so train, train ride, she gets there, um, there's no one there to meet her. Yeah. Even though her. they knew she was coming. She, she gets to El Pano, mm-hmm. which is like the nearest large town. Because Cutter Gap is a further... The nearest town of the train. Right. Yeah. Large um, relative. Right. And mm-hmm. so so she gets there, and there's no one there to meet her, so she's a little bit confused. Um, but finds out that she can stay there overnight. There's someone at the boarding house. And the mailman goes to Cutter Gap the next day. He'll be there the next morning. And Don't maybe she can, she, yeah. can take, she can hitch a ride with him. Yes. So... She um, finds the mailman. Ben Pentland. Ben Pentland is his mm-hmm. name. And she's like, can I ride with you? And he goes, well, I'm not taking a horse. Not because it's, not it's this, kind It's of, like raining and... No, no, it's still snow. It's real snow. He's like, yeah, well, it's real I'm, not like taking, I'm not taking a horse, but I, I walk. And she's like, how far is it? He's like, seven miles. She goes, okay. Uh, she's never walked seven miles a day in her life. Um, she has a bit of trouble convincing him. Mm-hmm, but she finally does. Because mm-hmm. you, you kind of see that side of her, I think, in the very beginning. That she's good at being like, hey, listen. Yeah, I mean, she's like, yeah. oh, she knows oh, what she's She has yes. gumption. Yes, gumption. That's a good word for it. So she convinces him, and they start this walk, this seven-mile walk. Up the mountains. Up the mountains. Up the Muddy mountains, is all get out. Still yes. still on the ground, mud. She's wearing lots of layers of skirts, mm-hmm. and they're walking to Cutter Gap, to the mission house in Cutter Gap, where she's supposed to be starting work. 
Um, he's delivering mail. He said he has lots of mail piled, lots of mail piled up. So he has to go. He's like, I haven't been, you know, out in a couple Ooh, days. Lots of mail piled up, and by that he meant six, six letters. letters. <laughs> um, so and she's from a, a t- Asheville. Yes, uh, North Carolina. Yes, and so for her, it's also like she's used to like a mid-sized city. So this is like sure. very different from what she's used to. And I feel yes. like her family was fairly well off. They were well off, sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they go, they deliver letters. Well, when they're in the process of doing that, you find out that there's been an accident. An accident. Yep. And the person who was supposed to go and get Christy at got the, the train one station, at the train station was the one who got into an accident, which is why there was no one there to meet her. He, like, something happened to his head. Bob Allen. Is Bob his Allen is his name. Something happened to his head. He tripped when he was walking and then hit a tree okay this time so then anyways so they all go they find this out they've like people run to meet them when they're in the middle of nowhere people run to meet them they have bob allen so they take him to the nearest cabin and somebody has sent for the doctor so they take him to the nearest cabin they put him up in this cabin the spencer cabin right yeah Mm -hmm. which you will meet those characters later i mean we've met them but like we'll know more about them later and so then basically this cabin this very and the author goes into such beautiful description um throughout the whole book but you get like you can see how dirty and decrepit and poor this cabin is and it's about to become an operating room for this man yeah um, so, well, cause I'll say too, it's the, the entire book is from Christie's perspective. Yes. And I will say that the way that it's written, you honestly feel as though like if, especially if you have a good imagination, which I feel like if you're a reader, most times you do, and you can really see as Morgan pointed out, like the vividness oh. of the description is like, I could literally picture yep. everything as like she described, like I could tell an artist and they could paint, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's how I feel it is. Yeah. So it makes you feel like you're in Cutter Gap. Too. Yes, exactly. Um, so it's it's kind of a pretty intense like chapter there or scene or whatever. I think it's maybe it's more than a chapter long, but like the whole operating because they kind of. they have to like uh, they have to prep. Doc McNeil comes in and wait. Do we need to talk about Doc McNeil? I think that that's all we should have to say about it now. Okay. <laughs> We've met Doc. We, we meet Doctor McNeil. Doc McNeil. Neil McNeil. Neil McNeil. Um, he's the only doctor in the cove, and he is Scottish. Neil McNeil and so um but like he has very like he kind of sticks out as in stark contrast because he has to the rest of the mountain people yes because he is and Christy even notes it in the book like he's acting as if this was an operating room in a hospital everything is super sterilized yes don't touch anything this is my table for this this is my table for this like he is he's serious about what he does and he's like this is where i practice medicine and i'm going to take it seriously yeah so you get a good taste for him as a character in that scene as well yeah when you meet him and the operation is that he has to drill a hole yeah into a guy's into the guy who fell so he doesn't so he can like the pressure yeah Yeah. into his skull so it's like this is christy's first interaction with with the townspeople she's come to (laughs) teach their children and she's literally like in an operation and like everyone's in the cabin like the way she describes it yeah and then she like has to go outside and get air because it's just like a lot because she's never experienced yeah. anything like this in her whole life i do not yeah. blame her oh like, my gosh yeah. well yeah going somewhere new that you've never been before as a 19 no. year old and you have to see a surgery no in of like a rural not. cabin it's insane no rural rural rural. Yeah. rural rural yeah yeah it's a hard word to say it's, it's weird like it's okay. weird to <laughs> say <laughs> no everyone says it weird you can't so uh we also yeah, we have, this is our first encounter with like this, this mountain superstition, which is what Christy refers to it in the, mm-hmm. in the book. Um, 
her first encounter with mountain superstitions. Mm -hmm. These very like antiquated ideas that the mountain people um, still put into practice. Um, and we see that throughout the novel. This mm -hmm. is her first encounter with it when Bob Allen, the man being operated on, his wife Mary, rushes into the operating room with an axe, and swings an axe into the floor and ties a string around his wrist. And these are both things that she does because of superstitions that exist. Mm -hmm. And it's really startling and jarring to Christy. And she's yeah. like, where am I? <laughs> What's yeah, going for on? For real. Um, <laughs> she makes it through the surgery, though. Yes. Um, and, and then they head over they, to they the mission going, house, right? They keep going. Ben like, all right. takes her to the mission house. She's exhausted. She Bob Allen lives else. through the crazy he does surgery, survive. by the way. Yeah, he survives. <laughs> so, yeah, so then they go to the mission house, and she meets Reverend David Grantland, mm -hmm. who's the... Obviously, and he's relatively new too. How do three you remember? Months. Three months. Okay, so he's nice. new there. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, I knew it was soon or short. Um, and his sister Ida Grantland are both there at the mission. And does she meet Miss Alice on this day as well? No, she meets her the next morning. Okay, so because she go, remember she just like falls into bed and yes, in her and clothes. goes to sleep. Yeah. Um, so she meets them and kind of gets a feel for a little bit like what kind of to expect, like what her duties will be. David shows her the schoolhouse, I think. Because um, it's a schoolhouse and church. Schoolhouse and church, yeah. It's one room schoolhouse and the church building, and he's been working on it. He built it. He built so, it. So this is a brand new schoolhouse that she's teaching at. Yes. Yeah. And and she finds out, too, in information like, oh, they've never actually had a full school year. Yes. Because, like, kids don't usually come. So she realizes she's up against a lot, I think, kind of in that first yes. day or so. Um, and so then, um, the next day she, she has, meets, yeah. well, I think she goes on the tour the next day too. I think she meets Miss Alice. Okay. And then what she tour? goes on the, to the tour of the schoolhouse. Oh, the tour of the schoolhouse. Okay. Well, it's all right in that same yeah, introductory yeah. thing. But anyways, that's, but Miss Alice is important. So Miss Alice Henderson is a Quaker woman who has been serving mm -hmm. in Cutter Gap, but then also the surrounding areas for a little while now. Do yeah. you guys remember time frame? I think it was like seven years. Okay, that sounds about right. So Miss Alice is, in my personal opinion, one of the best characters in all of literature. I think she's amazing. Miss Alice Henderson. Miss Alice Henderson, so she's wonderful. And so, and she takes Chrissy into um, kind of her cabin and basically kind of interviews her a little bit mm -hmm. as like, hey, why are you here? Because Christy's 19. Yeah. And this is a big job. Like, yes. this is, it's nitty gritty, it's real life. And Christy has no idea how and, big this is. <laughs> and, you can, and you can tell. Like, you yes. don't, you know. So, Miss Alice kind of, like, interviews her and gets more information and maybe gives her a few pieces of advice. Like, hey, you know, whatever. Well, <laughs> and, and one thing I want to say about Miss Alice, too, is that when they describe, when she describes her cabinet, it's like a stark, contrast mm -hmm. to the cabin she was in the night before and it's like she clearly is the kind of person excuse me and the kind of woman I feel like we all know women like this in our lives who like can do a lot with nothing where like they take do you know what I'm saying like even like it was a simple cabin but it was like clean and beautiful and she decorated it well you know yeah. and all this kind of stuff um yes. had furniture and stuff because yeah. a lot of the places didn't also she's this like tough woman she like learned how to shoot yeah. guns and she like stands her ground she like literally has a horse mm -hmm. and goes all over the mountains to, to d different towns and does all this stuff so I think like she's someone who you almost think that like because Christy also idolizes her because she hears stories about her from the the, the doctor that... Dr. Ferrand. Yes, Ferrand. Yes. 
um, that um, she like he talked about uh, Miss Alice along the way. So I feel like she comes in really excited to meet Miss Alice. Yes. And then, oh, right. she, so it's like to her, she's like, oh my God, it's Miss Alice. You know, yes, it's, it's right. kind of the vibe that Christy yeah, has. Yeah. So I think that's an important part and, of this. And honestly, I do feel like Miss Alice has a celebrity status with everyone. Oh, like absolutely. everyone oh, yes. in the Cove feels well, that way about Miss mm-hmm, Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the interview thing happens. And then the next day is the first day of school. Yes. And so Christy, you know, comes in, doesn't really know what to expect. David shows up there with her. And it's a, so it's a one-room schoolhouse, which means she has everyone from like... 67 students. Yes. And um, everyone from like six-year-olds to 15, 16-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those 15, 16-year-olds... Christy's 19. And a lot... and we gather a smaller person because it talks about how several of the boys were larger than she was. Right. <laughs> um, so like David walks up to the school house with her. He's like, do you want me to stay? And she's like, nope, I got this. Uh, yeah. Even though she's very nervous, well, but she's like, I've got to prove myself here. Yeah. Well, and also I think she, so she didn't go to school for teaching. She just right. went no. to a year and a half of junior college. college. Yeah. yeah. And so she didn't even finish ladies college. So I think she yeah. thought, Oh, since I went to college some, I could teach it. And I think she gets there the first day and realizes like, Ooh, yeah. This is a whole situation. It's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So she kind of tries to gain control. This is a really fun scene. She tries to like gain control of the classroom and is like, okay, well, let's take a roll call. We need everyone's names and addresses. <laughs> this is a fun scene. Um, and it's hilarious because you meet a lot of the kids and you find that they don't really have addresses. No, they like give her directions. Yeah. You walk up there you yonder go under tree. the fence. Yeah, and then <laughs> you turn <laughs> you turn right at the tree that looks like a stump and they, and they like go through this whole thing and then you're just like and she's like so then she realizes she needs people to help her take notes. And then there's there's some kids who are like making up fake names to be funny and it's just like this like delightful scene where she like doesn't back down. Yes. yes. And she also decides to appoint two uh, girls to help her write down all the uh, names of the students because there's so many of them. Um, A couple of, I think, names that we should call out here, um, characters that are are pretty important throughout. Um, Ruby Mm -hmm. Mae Morrison, she lives at the Mission House. And so you kind of see her all throughout the book. And she... This first half of the book, she's kind of estranged to her family. Yes. Yes. So she's living at the Mission House. Yeah. Um, I also thought she was much younger than she was. Yeah, she comes across that way, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, she's like 14, thir- 13, 14 here, right? I thought she was 15. Maybe 15, but I'm saying, um, like, I thought she was like a seven-year-old. Oh, well, yeah. She, I mean, she has a very um, kind of simple way of speaking, yes. yeah, yeah. I think. Um, but, um, so anyway, so then there's Lundy Taylor. Mm-hmm. He's a big part of the it's story. A very important character. Um, he's also a big boy. Yes, so he's like big one boy, of the... Big part of the story. <laughs> he's one of the oldest boys in the class, and his father is um, Bird's, Eye Bird's Eye Taylor and not a very well-liked man. And his family... The Taylors. ...have a feud going on with the Allens, who are also in school. I mean, a feud from, like... From years and years back. Like yeah. Which is very typical it's called, for Mountain called, towns. Right. They're like... They're called a blood feud, and yep. it's like... It's a big this is just This is just our <laughs> it life. It is what it is. <laughs> so Lundy is basically up to no good from the start. Um, we also meet... A couple of fun characters that we meet are Little Burl Allen, who is um, Bob Allen's son, the guy who was operated on one of his sons, Creed Allen, with his raccoon scallywag. We meet another one of the Allen kids. And then um, Sam Houston Holcomb. Sam Houston Holcomb. 
Um, front name be Sam Houston, back name be Holcomb. They call it the back, front, and back name, which is hilarious. So um, it's so cute. Also, literally, he <laughs> Creed brings his uh, raccoon to class. Oh, yes. And Christy has to convince him to And the not way bring that she convinces class. him was great. brilliant teaching. She literally says, okay, I'll make you a promise. If you don't bring him again, you can have a little part he can have a part in our end of year um show yeah she, she just decides on the spot that they're going to do an end of year show right there that's <laughs> fabulous another, right. another character that i think one one more child's name that we should mention is mounty o'teal oh yes thank you mounty o'teal who she does, does not, not speak, speak. She, yeah she, does um, not speak. Yeah, she definitely day. is an important character as well um, so they do a lot kind of in that first mm-hmm. day. She learns that they, they're really inspired by song. Like mm-hmm. these are mountain children and they have a good sense of rhythm and can remember songs really well because mm-hmm. that's like something that is yes. heritage that has been passed down. So and that's then she really cool. And then she learns this, this wide range mm-hmm. of needs that mm-hmm. she's encountering here. Yes. She has a, a, a girl approach her um, who, who has worked out she said i work can you get me a harder math book i worked out all the figures in this one christy's mm-hmm. like by yourself she's like yeah i worked them all out by myself like brilliant so she yeah. has some like brilliant minds and they just don't have the materials yeah. to um because she doesn't have a lot of school supplies. no there's like no textbooks she's like how am i going to teach these these children are hungry to learn mm-hmm. and they're wise they're smart mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. they're bright and what am i going to do <laughs> i don't have anything to use mm-hmm um, so kind of at the end of the day, she like makes a list of things to like write to people about. She's like, okay, like we need, cause they all drink out of the same, like nobody's washed, nobody's wearing shoes. Like it's very poor, very unhygienic. So like, she's like, okay, like we need to get cups for everyone. What did she call them? Or, like keep away cups or throw away oh, cups? Oh, that was, yeah, I think that was like a new and relatively yeah, new yeah. invention. Yeah, yeah, The way she said time. it, she was like, yeah, oh, I saw them. Yeah. yeah, and they um, were, yeah. Writing mm-hmm. about books to potentially get for the classroom, just things like that, and then obviously clothes. Um, so she that's kind of like, she's going through this like problem solving thing. And I think that's another element that you get of her personality where she's like, okay, like Here's let's problems, figure this out. Let's figure yes. out how to solve them. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And then... Uh, during that, oh, is in, in that first day where Mountie gets hit in the head? Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, I don't know. Does that, something we need to even talk about? I mean, it just solidifies this yes. feuding idea. Yeah. Feuding and, and Lundy's a bully. That's yes. really what it solidifies. Because Lundy hit, hit, hits a kid mm-hmm. with what they call a ball, but it's actually like has a rock in the middle, yeah. like cloth yes. with rock. Okay. So like you just, I think that that's also a good example of like, she's up against a tough mm-hmm. situation. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. She visits, she, Miss Alice, um, encourages her to, um, get a little bit more involved in the community by yes. visiting people's cabins. Yes. And so she's like, you need to be visiting people. You need to be connecting mm-hmm. with the parents of these students that you're teaching. Um, and one of the cabins that she doesn't plan to visit, but happens upon yes. is the O'Teal cabin, which is a very traumatic experience for her. Yeah. It's just and that's, awful. And you find out later that that's basically the worst one. Yes. And that's the one yes. that she visits um, first. But it, it has a huge impact on her. Mm-hmm. Physically and mentally and emotionally, and emotionally all of the yeah. has a huge yes. impact. She's never on her. seen anything like it, and, and it's the beyond. way that she yeah. sees these yes. people now, yes. yes, because now she's seen kind of the lowest of already a low, a mean mm-hmm. situation. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, 
So yeah. that that's a very impactful scene. Yeah, well, and then she literally, because the smells and everything are so bad, and so she literally gets home to the mission and, like, can't, she, like, ends up throwing up outside. Like, she didn't eat her dinner. Yeah, she's yeah. just, like, yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, so that definitely gives her this sense of, like, um, like, it, it just opens her heart a little yes. bit to but, the children and yes. the families and, like, how can I help them? How can I be involved? So you see well, I think, a lot of that. And I oh. think, well, we'll talk about this later. We'll um, talk about this later. Keep going with the plot. I have, oh, some, okay. I have comments to make about this, but yes, those are yes. for later. <laughs> um, so uh, she does, oh, there was that whole scene where she's, like, praying for things, right? Yes. She just, like, prays because they, like... Because Miss Alice told her that, yes. like, asking you shall receive. And she, like, basically told her. And so... Uh, she realized that if they had a a horse mm-hmm. at the mission, it would be so much better. And so David told her, Dr. Reverend... Um, Dr. Reverend. <laughs> Reverend Dr. David Grantland. Dr. Reverend. <laughs> Reverend David Grantland told her that it would be about $100 for the mm-hmm. horse. So she decides to pray. Yep. And then somebody... like So she just prays and doesn't tell anyone. And somebody sends her... But specifically like, for money for a horse. Yes. And somebody sends... $106. Literally the exact amount that they need. Well, according to tax, there was tax on it. Okay. So David well, is kind of cheeky because he comes back and he's like, well, if God yeah. really gave you this money, he would have been like $3.18 more. Or something. Whatever, yeah. So then there were like several Prince things. Prince is the like horse. That. Beautiful, beautiful horse. And um, where like, so you see like that like really builds her faith up. And so then she just starts like. Because when she arrives at yes. the mission, her, her, she, by her own admission, her faith is like is is pretty much non-existent outside of like a Sunday morning mm-hmm. Sunday school experience like so really she's testing the waters here of a faith that she's never really tested before Absolutely. or even understood fully before mm-hmm. so that's a really be- it's really it's it's really fun um, to watch her development of that and also she's and faced the, with the reality yeah, it's compelling. Yes. oh for sure and here's the reality of what she's faced with every day and how does God play a role in all that exactly yeah um, so the next the next thing that happens um, is um, Opal McCone. Oh. Christy, is that, did, oh. is that where you thought I was going <laughs> no, to? No. She said, oh. <laughs> well, that's a big thing. And we can just kind of like, next, kind of the yeah. next big, big thing, yeah. thing that happens is somebody comes to Christy and is like, the doctor and Miss Alice, I think, are both out of town doing something because they, they have to go all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so um, Christy has to go and help with the laying out of a, of a dead baby, right? And so then, so she goes, she's like, what? She's no. never even been to a funeral, she says. So she goes, um, and she helps, and it's, For an you know. For person, not the one, not right. yeah. a child. Yeah. And a it, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal, but then she, basically she finds out how the, baby how the baby died, and it basically is like an old mountain superstition. So the mother had, not intent, not on purpose, but doing this old mountain superstition had broken the baby's back, and the baby died. And Christy is understandably horrified, yes, and trying is just not like, to react though, because the mother's right. just like, "This is how it is." Like, and the mother's yes. clearly yes. like grieved, extremely oh, well. grieved. Oh, like, for sure, deep depressive grief mm-hmm. over this. And dead. Christy is appalled and trying to like do this thing and honor 
this baby and honor like the kind of tradition and ceremony and then just dealing with this mm -hmm. and then she walks away from that and is like there's a whole other level of like what, what the heck this? Yeah, we yeah, need yeah. to be doing something this is wrong how can this be happening yeah. how can god care so um, now she's now she's starting to so she, her faith was built up a little mm -hmm. bit now she's starting to have some doubt and some questions mm -hmm. um i think the next big important thing that happens is she spends some time Dr. McNeil's cabin. Yes, that's what I was referencing. Oh, okay, with yeah, my yeah, earlier. yeah. So basically, her and David are um, headed to a thing, and something mm -hmm. happens with um, the mule that she's riding. Yeah, she, gets, she gets thrown into a river. Yes, by the her old mule. Her Cleo? Yes. What's the Theo? Theo. So, so Fulcrum. 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 Reverend Fulcrum. <laughs> So then, anyway, so David has to go in because he's preaching. So Christy, he basically drops, because they're close to Dr. McNeil's cabin in the woods. So he basically drops Christy off to, to dry off there. Because he's yes. like, you can't come here. Dr. McNeil mysteriously has clothes Women's that will fit Christy that, that he pulls out of a locked room in his house. And then they sit and have, have a, long a discussion very long about discussion. The people. Yep. And how he himself calls himself a mountain person and... Yeah, I had this long discussion about his heritage and about why the people are the way they are. She presents some of these doubts and questions that have been swirling in her mind about why isn't there better hygiene? Why aren't we doing more about educating women on how to take mm -hmm. care of their children, mm -hmm. how to take care of their babies? Um, and he's trying to give her some perspective into this world that she's just walked into out of nowhere and has yeah. really no context for. And I think he's also trying to really help her understand context for like it might seem crazy to the outside world, but like to them, the legends and like the superstitions and their way of life is all they've ever known. And so yeah. they have never even left the mountain. So like to them, do you it's know what I'm saying? To them. Exactly. And so I think that his approach isn't that like, no, I don't see, cause she's like, you're a doctor. How do you not? Why aren't you yeah. doing more to help Yes, people? cause she's like, well, she's definitely fiery and like, you know, mm -hmm. kind of worked up about it. Cause she's still very traumatized by obviously Opal's And clearly baby. this yes. is, she's talking to yes. someone who's a well-educated man. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And he's not denying the fact that it's real, but he's denying how like, in a way you can't just come in and change everything because you understand that hygiene is better than no, you know, even yeah. simple things like that. So so I think she also gets a picture that like it's not as simple as hey this is what you have to do it's more like this is going to be an uphill battle but she's also I think determined when she talks to him that she, I'm gonna prove him wrong you know exactly. she, there's, yeah, a, little fire in there's her. a little bit of that there yeah, too for sure what's the next big thing that we want to cover here um she gets in a little bit of trouble with for because she's been sending out letters oh my she god got that I can, faith. wait can I, can I go talk for about it this yes thing? okay so she is reading magazines yes I'll be don't worry, I won't belabor this. Um, but she's reading magazines. She I has love this that idea. Word. <laughs> belabor. Um, and she has this idea. What if instead of just reaching out, because she was like sending letters to her mother's like small sewing circles, exactly basically. friends, yeah. And so she decides she's she's reading magazine, and she decides, what if I send a letter to businesses? And she's like, how could I do this? So she decides to send letters to all these businesses, telling them the story of the mission and what they need, like asking for things, like basic things, like mattresses, shoes, all this stuff. It is wild. Yeah. I'm sorry, we are, you keep going. Okay, is this where she emails the businessman from Knoxville? She doesn't email. Sorry, mail, sorry, mail. Yes, 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 yes. 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 Um, so anyway, so she, but she does end up yes. getting in a little bit of trouble, trouble because, for that because, well, because all these businesses are, respond by yes, sending by stuff sending to them, scads and scads of but things. But she gets in trouble though because with Dr. Ferrand. Yes, yes, because the way he views 
um, people being generous and charitable is that they're compelled by God to give, right. not by someone asking them for uh, right. donations. Yes. So she gets a little bit. Um, so that's so kind of important. We see that. We see that. This is the first time though that it's going to happen again. <laughs> oh yes, of course. Um, I can't remember. I know we're getting close to the discovery of the moonshine underneath the church building. Before but... that, fair. Do we want to do the reading lessons or? Oh no? yes, yes. Oh fair. So before light. that, we fair light. But we got to get to the. Yes. We got to get to the moonshine. Yes. <laughs> that's yeah. what I was thinking. Somebody about. else talk about fair light, and then I'll see what the next important thing is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, basically, uh, Christy starts to develop yes. this friendship with this beautiful woman named Fairlight Spencer, Jeb Spencer's wife. They, the Spencer children, go to the school, um, and Fairlight is like a different. She's on a different tier than mm-hmm. all these other mountain women. She's almost like she did kind of described. Christy she talks about her hands her. being like model hands. And her, her hair, hair is like, like, she's almost this, like ethereal. Yes. Um, in her descriptions of her. Yeah. Um, but basically, Fairlight in, is just this kind of beautiful person, becomes this great friend to Christy. And in the process um, of that friendship, they start reading lessons mm-hmm. together. And it's the first time that Christy has ever taught an adult to read. Yeah. And so that's kind of daunting to her at first, but. Fairlight picks it up in like a day. She learns to read so quickly and their friendship just blossoms and develops so much. Well, and and Fairlight has such a unique perspective on like how to use things in the woods and all this kind of yeah, stuff. And so she like, teaches Christy yes. so and it's, much. It's, it's, it's so interesting though too because like Christy's wrestling with like she wants to teach you to read but like how do you also teach an adult to read and not make them feel bad? Right. So, so she's like, I'm not going to bring out... Yeah, and she ends up like teaching her the word light and just like... So it's a beautiful chapter yeah, of like kind of true. someone discovering language and how powerful it can be oh my gosh no it's 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 stunning it's It's like moving it's so beautiful um i hope we're giving the next thing is moonshine moonshine so talk about some moonshine so essentially like there's a fight that happens at the school Mm -hmm. and little burl gets kicked involved with by by lundy Lundy. yeah Yeah. he gets kicked because in the stomach yeah he ends up having to get an operation later um but he's okay yes um but he gets He's little girl is attacked because he was going underneath. He was looking to Under go the underneath the schoolhouse, the schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. and Blundy know, knew that there were some moonshine bottles. Yeah, there was a lot being moonshine. stored yes. because there was an illegal still happening um, very close to his father's land, Birdseye Taylor's land. Yes, um, and Birdseye Taylor was involved in in making the mm-hmm. moonshine yes. with a couple of other people. Mm-hmm. One of those people being Tom McCone. Yes. Opal McCone's husband. Mm-hmm. Opal McCone with the dead baby. The dead baby. Yes. Um, <clears throat> do we find out why they're running? He was running with them? Yes. In this, uh, in this? I, I don't know if we find it out right now, but we might should save that for next time. Okay. Well, this is the last bit of this, yeah. of this section. Um, so, anyway, well, so they, find, they find it out, mm-hmm. and then, well, Dave, yeah, like they discover, Christy discovers the moonshine, David discovers the moonshine. There's a whole big thing where David gives decides to give this this like big sermon sermon about, on it. It makes everything so much worse. Yeah, because um, basically that's like the a huge chunk of the mountain hoods li- the mountains livelihood is from moonshine selling um, with, selling illegal moonshine. Um, so they the mountaineers are 
are are pretty mad at yes. <laughs> Reverend Grantland. Well, because he decides they try to go to, all in. They yeah. try to destroy. They destroy um, a lot of the new stuff, like the new textbooks and stuff. They can send to the school. They light the altar, the church altar on the fire, mass, almost yeah, the burn podium. the church building down. Um, yeah. So they're trying to retaliate in any way they can. Well, because because David gets really intense and says all these things, and he also because he was just mad that it was under the church that it was happening. And then I think one of the funniest things is when they describe the drunk pigs who drink the meat. Oh yeah, because there's also pigs underneath the, the school that just like run yeah, wild that yes. got that got drunk <laughs> so i just thought that was a funny anecdote hilarious <laughs> it makes you think of the uh pigs um of jesus casting the yes into yeah. the pigs. <laughs> well it made me think of that anyways but um kind of skipping ahead a little yeah, bit so basically what what ends up happening where i thought this ended it didn't it oh. didn't actually end. That's later. Oh. So, oh. so okay. basically like what happens, I know, we're rushing spot. to get to it, but, um, so basically what happens is, right, they find the moonshine, David preaches that huge thing, and you find out that Tom McCone has been involved, and then once you find that out, Tom McCone is, like, in danger, because Birdseye and his cronies are then, like, searching for him. So Tom McCone disappears. Well, be, but... Why are they searching for him, though? Because he, like, told, like, he told or something well here's what happened is tom was running whiskey yes because opal dr mcneil um she needed medicine she needed some medicine he he diagnosed her with a specific type of sickness so he didn't have any way to make money for his family anemia Anemia. um he didn't have any other way to make money except to run some moonshine so he decided to do it then he he got better of it and because uh some authorities came looking for their still they moved the still quickly, but Tom was like, "Okay, I might not get out of this alive. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tattle. Yes. I'm gonna tell the authorities where the still is newly located." Mm-hmm. But then Birdseye and his cronies found out about that. That's oh, why he was right. Tom ratted them out. So then, so he now he had to be say, on I the run. Mm-hmm. He's and hiding. Yes, he's in hiding. His family has no idea where he is. Birdseye does get arrested, but then he escapes. Yeah, <laughs> the whole jail escapes. The whole yeah. jail escapes. Um, so they're on the loose, looking for Tom McCone. I mean, that's basically that's where the first half of the book ends, is yeah. everyone's looking for Tom McCone. He's definitely in danger. And then Christy and David and Miss Alice are all kind of desperately trying to, like, figure out how to navigate figure this out, situation. Figure out, like, what is right in this right. situation. Yeah. Because exactly. obviously it's, a, it's illegal to make moonshine and to mm-hmm. sell it. But also, like, these people have no other way to make money. So they're, like, they're conflicted. Well, yeah, David's not conflicted. D- no. <laughs> Christy's feeling conflicted. Yes, yeah. Christy's feeling conflicted, for sure. And Neil McNeil has, of course, been throwing in his two cents, and that is also extra conflict. And it is, right. And I think <laughs> But he's more post- sympathetic to that part of it because he's um He's part a of it man himself. Yeah, yeah, yes. Well, and he, and I think that's a really, like, good kind of contrast that you see is you really do see in this particular situation, you really do see Christy as like these two men who are very obviously, and that's not a spoiler alert, you know at this point that both of they them are, are interested, interested in, in Christy. Her. So <laughs> it's like are. so interesting to see her looking, and they have two completely different polar um, viewpoints on this. And she is like, I can see validity in both of these. Like, right. how do I feel? What do I choose? That struggle within herself is really evident there too. So, yeah, absolutely. That's the summary of the first half yeah. of the book. That's the first half. So yes. much happens in my life. Yeah. 
So we're um, ma making a couple adjustments because you're probably like, wait, it's only 50 minutes and are they done? No, we're, we're not done by any means. But we're <laughs> trying to, <laughs> we decided we to section out the podcast <laughs> and kind of do some fun things as we're kind of developing mm -hmm. this and moving on um, in episode eight and stuff. So um, don't you worry, we're not going anywhere. We have mm -hmm. lots more thoughts, but we decided that we would kind of shorten the plot summary to give us time to talk about other things, even mm -hmm. including more of the God factor and the faith factor in a lot of these books. So yes. in case you're worried, don't, don't be. be. Don't. In case you're worried, don't, don't be. be. <laughs> I feel like that needs to go on one of our t-shirts. Oh, <laughs> don't, don't, don't um, be. Um, okay, so this Section. next segment is one that I... Near this, is Mor this is Morgan, and I <laughs> lovingly refer to this segment as Morgan's Random Rabbit Trails. Because <laughs> I always have something else to say. Um, and I have a couple of random rabbit trails to say for this first half of the book. The first one is and my rabbit trails were a little bit researchy so i don't think they probably conflicted with any of your research but well we'll see a little we, bit we'll I'll see find you. yeah I'll, I'll, flag I'll me find out you. flag me out i'll, I'll, of, I'll give a holler one of the things that i thought was super interesting and it's probably because my husband was a mail carrier for like eight years um i found kind of the whole mail delivery process in the Appalachian Mountains thing super intriguing. That was very interesting to me. Because I was like, okay, so, like, this is early 1900s. He's very serious about delivering the mail. He recites the post Postman's Creed or whatever. Sweat with so much with, gusto. Oh, he is passionate about it. So I was like, okay. But then also, like, these people don't even have addresses. So I was just kind of curious about, like, right. the... Because um, then we had a whole big thing the about the origin, kids not knowing right. what their address was. Nobody knew what their address was. Did you research what the... And see if that was the correct Postman's Creed? Oh, I knew it was. Oh, you knew I'd, it was. I'd heard it before and seen it printed. So, yes, I knew about it. <laughs> um, it was. Um, <laughs> no, I... I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> My husband said that there's... every morning before you're like, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> he, he wasn't that serious about it. Neither shop. rain nor snow no, nor, nor sleet sleep. nor hail or yeah. something like no, that. And neither rain, neither no. snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. Yes. He did oh. say that there's like one thing that's been added since then, but I don't remember what it was. My my husband said that. Um, so but anyway, so, so, so I mean, he knows right it, now. Yeah. Be like, hey, do you know the postman's? <laughs> I'm sure he would. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, um, I was kind of intrigued about the mail delivery in specifically the Appalachian Mountains during that time. Good I did point. find out this was just it's just kind of random. The first because that would be considered. So there's two types of. This is some insider mail knowledge. Oh. Um, Two types of routes for delivering mail. There's city routes and there's rural routes. Okay. Is this like in 2022 or mm -hmm. like in general? This okay. is today. Okay. City routes and rural routes. Um, and the first rural mail delivery was in October of 1986. So rural mail. 1986? Oh, I'm sorry. 1886. I was like, oh. my God. I was like, <laughs> is this the fictional part of the book is the postman? <laughs> So you're telling me people living in the country didn't oh, even God. know that Reagan was running for president. <laughs> 1886. 1886. I misread it. Oh uh, yes. Okay. So October of 1886. They didn't get the political flyers. They didn't know. Who they were. For. They were so thankful. Because <laughs> no. um, we all hate those political flyers. Yeah, they're the worst. There's so many. Um, so the first rural mail delivery was in October in. Um, 1886 um and it was in north carolina okay 
And I just thought that that was really, that's really the only rabbit trail I have off of that because I found some other information, but it's not really relevant. But, um, so that About means post. that, yeah, just like yeah. random postal things. Oh, just share. Um, 18 I didn't write it down, so oh. now I'm not going to be able to recall it off the top of my head. Um, but so 1886 to 1912 is what? 14 plus 12 is 26 years. So rural yeah. mail had only been being delivered for 26 years, which is like, go. that's a generation. Um, Basically. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. It also gave a little bit of information in the article that I read about the first rural mail carrier and how, like, it showed his picture. Hey, oh. There's his picture is out there, and he was just, like, standing by, by a horse and cart and, like, so excited to be delivering the United States mail. It was pretty United great. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was um, a... Now, I didn't do a ton of research on this, so whatever, research at your own. But something that I found interesting is that the Appalachian Mountains, it, that, like, region, that's still considered a very poor yes. region. Like, there are still people who live in this region. They're, um, hold on. Okay. So, I, I specifically found this information on Christian Appalachian Project, which is a ministry that specifically ministers to oh, people cool. in this region. Um, Do you think it's the same, like, minis- like birthed out of the ministry that they know? No, because this was founded in 1964. Hmm. I'm sure it was um, 1986. Mm-hmm. That one I'm sure of. Thank you. Uh, but wow, I found out that even, and these are, like, these are today's stats. Um, the poverty rate is 28%. Food wow. insecurity is 19.7%. And wow. 46% of homes are severely deteriorating. Wow. Um, and it was saying on the website, um, the Christian Appalachian Project website, that um, like specifically more senior citizens and then children um, just in general like they are the biggest like need of like people groups that are need need most in that um, community Mm -hmm. Um, so I just found that really um, interesting but then also like sad and honestly it just made me want to give (laughs) money and go help people because it was like this is talking about how um, and obviously it's better than it was in 1909 but like it's 2022 and this is still a problem Mm -hmm. in this area they they talk about in they talk about in the novel i i don't remember if we've gotten to it or not but they they briefly discuss you know in when they're talking about the moonshine Mm -hmm. um production and the stills Mm -hmm. about like um dr mcneil kind of takes them back to this whiskey rebellion from Mm -hmm. the late 1700s um so and how that making liquor has been something that the yes. mountain people have been doing to make money for since since the revolutionary mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. and how the United States government had in all that time in 150 years had still not found any um, solution that was working yeah. for the poverty that was existing and I think it's sad to think that it took you know Another okay, another almost 150 years has gone mm-hmm. by, and we still don't have a really working mm-hmm. solution. Yeah, um, and how it does kind of seem like a forgotten people mm-hmm. and a forgotten area. I I actually watched a documentary, oh, not God. recently, so I don't have like facts or statistics yeah. to give. But it was this kind of documentary about mm-hmm. this idea of feuding mm-hmm. based on this the like the Hatfields and the McCoys, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which were That's Appalachian yeah. Appalachian families. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I didn't know that. Yes, and and this idea of because there are still people who are descendants of the Hatfields and wow. people who are descendants of the McCoys living still in Appalachia, hmm. um, and this kind of idea of have things really 
gotten better? Like, or how have things changed? Right. And I think it's interesting to see that there's a lot that still hasn't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyways. It's so true. That's a little bit depressing. Yeah. Or a It also shows you, I think, that, like, the roots of areas sometimes play such a role in mm-hmm. how they are. I mean, I even know, like, the areas where my parents grew up, like, it feels different. And sometimes people don't even think about the possibility of leaving. And it's not like yeah. they don't think there's a whole other world out there. It's like, why would you move on? So it's interesting that there's such... For millennia now, right? Mm-hmm. Or decade, yeah. generations, centuries, not, not millennia. millennia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> centuries. But yeah. That people yeah. have been there and it's like, this is just their way of life, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's very interesting how much like history and family and um, the culture plays a role in that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those, those are the only rabbit trails I had. Okay, so in our next section... Um, is Odette's relevant research. So, um, one thing I want to talk about is, and I'm very curious because you guys have both used different pronunciations. Oh. 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 I don't know what to Yes. Okay, so here's the thing. I rarely get intense about something that I'm not willing to hear other sides on. Okay, I'm very open-minded. I like hearing sides. But, like, this is, and one of my really, really good friends from college we had many, many debates, and this is the only thing that we say we'll both go to our graves disagreeing on because we're very, you know, in general, I'm a very agreeable person, and I sure. rarely ever, this is the way it is. But is it Appalachian or <laughs> Appalachian? The difference. Oh, oh I don't I, I think it depends on the day for me. <laughs> no, listen, though. There is this whole thing how if you're born in the South, you pronounce it Appalachian. And then if you're born in the North, you pronounce it Appalachian. Guys, Odette's face is so serious. <laughs> right because people say, because literally, Madeline like, and I were both born in the in same place, and we pronounce it two different ways. So, yeah. what does that tell you? That you guys are an enigma. <laughs> I, I will say, I have heard. Heard both ways. Literally. Well, I've heard it both ways, but I've heard multiple people, and I couldn't even tell you where I've heard them, but I remember being like, oh, that's probably true then. I remember thinking yes. that at the time. Okay. So, I was like, this is probably a reliable source. Um, that it was Appalachian, mm-hmm. but that is the correct way. Oh, see, I've done research. But I've been pronouncing it Appalachian. Yeah, so I I've been know. saying Appalachian for years, and the thing is, is what they decided, because actually it ended up going before Congress years ago because it's oh. such a debate, and Congress <laughs> decided you can say it however you want. And Congress is like, we have bigger things to worry about. <laughs> exactly, because like, so like, we for can't instance, focus on this for right instance, now. like, if you're in certain areas, we're you trying to cancel the student debt, people. <laughs> no, this is something about. <laughs> Somewhere in the 1900s. Uh, wishful oh, thinking. Yeah. Wishful thinking. <laughs> I mean, student debt uh, probably wasn't a thing in the 1900s. No, it wasn't. 1900s. No, like, I think well, it was, like, I the mid. Yeah. Um, also, um, so I just found it really interesting because it, 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 it reminded me of this conversation that, like, we literally debated it so much because <laughs> I be like, okay, well, then how do you say, like, the trail? And they would say Appalachian Trail. I was like, no, it's Appalachian Trail. And then it'd be like, well, how do you say Appalachian State? I would say Appalachian State. They'd say Appalachian State. So it's literally, like, a whole thing. And so, like, it was interesting to me that when you when you see that word, it's there's such meaning tied to it. And so, like, to me, my friend, she grew up in uh, North Carolina, and she taught, She was like, no, you're dead wrong. And I was like, no, you're dead wrong. I was like, I, I've been to the Appalachian Trail. I've also been to Appalachian Brewing Company. I was like, that's how you say it. You wouldn't say Appalachian. They kick you right out. But like, what are you talking about? That's not how you say that word. No, just kidding. They won't kick you out. They it's, kick it's, you a out. Lo- it's a lovely place, but I'm just saying it's, it's a lovely place. It's a lovely place. <laughs> I just don't. But so, so I think for me, I just was reminded of that. So I did some research again okay. um and i feel like it's it's also basically it's it's it all about where you're from uh-huh. <laughs> yeah 
So like if you look at it, I like did all this research and it's like, it's basically a lot of people say that it shows if you're an insider or an outsider of certain areas, depending on how you pronounce it. Fascinating. Honestly, I didn't know about any of this. Wait, really? I so knew you just kind of say it either way. I knew there was. I, so maybe I like knew you I had people heard, to thinking I had like, heard different oh, ways to pronounce it. Where's she from? Because sometimes she says it one way and sometimes yeah. she says I, it. I, a... I had heard both ways of pronunciation, but I yeah. didn't realize it was like people from specific regions is why you. Which, which is mostly the case with pronunciation, so yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just interesting that it's tied to the same area because yeah. I'm sure that there they would probably say that the correct way to pronounce it is Appalachian and not Appalachian. And wouldn't you think that if they were from there, that would be right? That's true. If they were from Appa- the region, if they were from that also, region, can we just say that way? The Appalachian Appalachian region is massive. Yes, yeah. that's true. It's huge. Also, there's literally a trail that runs up the whole entire East Coast, or mar- the majority of the East Coast, right? That's called the Appalachian Trail. So we're close or to that. Trail. And also, we I've heard it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's also we the Appalachian Mountains are around us too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So absolutely. meaning that like we technically live. In the Appalachian area as well, right? We, we're, we're not, not in Appalachia, not, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're not. That's in like those are specific regions, like directly around surrounding the mountain. Got it. And the mountains are in the distance. Anyway, yes. so just just to rain out there. So <laughs> there's multiple ways. I will always say that it's pronounced Appalachian, and she will get in your face if you. I will not get in your face. I will let you. I will just tell you that that hey, you're wrong. That you're wrong. Yeah, okay. Be you. Do you? Be you. Do you? Be but you. Do you? Know that you are wrong. But no. <laughs> Deep down in your heart. Uh, <laughs> Um, more research for us yeah so the other thing i researched and like i'll probably talk a little about this in part two as well is i was really fascinated by the way that throughout the book um there was a lot of talk of like how women were um viewed and treated treated in the in 1912 and some of it was like even things like uh christy was kind of outspoken for a woman which was kind of rare and so like she said her mind she would like have ideas she would go do things sometimes people perspective would be like oh you're a woman doing that you know because it was like it was very different and so I did some research on like what women did in um 1912 and like that kind of their role and this is like in general this is not saying everyone but this is in general um so they obviously primarily worked in the home their job was to keep the home cook the meals care for the children and um women had had to take time to wash and dry clothes and dishes for themselves bend over the hot tub Ring them out and hang them. <laughs> I, I, I was washed them. We're gonna wash them. But there's no water in it. No, you're right. I just was picturing a hot tub, <laughs> and like a woman in Appalachia bending over the hot tub. I was like, doing what? Like just, just hanging chill. out. I'm just gonna get this steam <laughs> facial. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're right. Washing was a big deal. Um, Yes, and it, it took up all their time. So that was why, like, especially in that r- rural area, mm-hmm. that was their whole life was, like, yeah. keeping house and all that kind of stuff. And they had lots of kids, too. Um, also, in 1912, women had no rights. They were not allowed to build on property or even work outside the home if they were married. Mm-hmm. The 19th Amendment was obviously passed in 1912, allowing all the American women the, the right to vote. Mm-hmm. So, I because they do talk about that kind of at different yes. points throughout, throughout, throughout the book as well, where they, they kind of talk about it. And obviously, some of this is, like, well, no doubt. Uh, you know, yeah. in you know, over a hundred years ago, this is what it was like. But it was interesting because it seemed as though, 
and Chrissy talked about this some that like the way the women were there it was more like pioneer women yeah. versus like what she experienced in her in Asheville I feel like was a little bit more modern yeah. and she right. so, so like time. women yeah. could go to college and different things like that so it, it was just interesting to like yeah. look at it as if she felt like she was stepping back in time yes right to like exactly. frontier days is yes. how she called it so my research was around those two things for this uh, part one I love that um, thank you for that bunny trailing off of that Whoa. something that I haven't been able to get out of my head okay. is um, I, I listened to the audiobook for this and mm. um, Kelly Martin the actress Kelly Martin narrates this audiobook um, and she played Christy in the TV series so <clears throat> it's all very nostalgic and wonderful and I highly recommend the audiobook um, <clears throat> but there's a certain point where they're discussing <laughs> they're discussing women um, mm -hmm. and how they talk all the time oh, okay. and Ben Pentland pipes oh. up <laughs> this is an amazing and, part and <laughs> says something something about women talking all the time and then he says aggravating contrivances <laughs> if you ask me meaning women Aggravating contrivances is his descriptive, word, descriptive words of women. And I think is that he is single? hilarious. Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, yes, he is. <laughs> Bet you 10 bucks I can tell you why. I guarantee you, but that's a beautiful I'm, I'm I've been saying it all week. Aggravating contrivances. In that little <laughs> accent that Kelly Martin uses when she's narrating, and it's hilarious to me. And I've said it so many times, and I can't get it out of my head. That's and um, thing. I just, I just love it. It, mm -hmm. it, it, it. I know it's an insult on my own sex, but um, it's hilarious. Well, here, well, could you use it in different contexts though about I'm, other things? I'm sure oh, that you are using it. You're not using it as like a diss on yourself. <laughs> oh, Melanie you messed up on this aggravating contrivance. <laughs> she like calls Morgan. She's like, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of this aggravating contrivance. You're an aggravating contrivance, and honestly. <laughs> It's like something that you would call like, like a like a pest, like a mouse right. in your yeah, house exactly. or something. Exactly. But he's using it to describe women. So mm. there's that says Again, a lot about how yes, the role absolutely. of women in society absolutely yeah. Yeah. says a lot. Well, yeah, and I thought it was interesting that both David and Dr. Neil McNeil mm -hmm. both tell her different times they they like her for mm -hmm. her fire, and I was like, like how how like spirited and fiery mm -hmm. she is, and I was like. I don't know how I would take that as a compliment if some guy was like, hey, by the way. I, would it take that as a compliment? It would depend like on the context. Okay. And what I mean by that is, like, it was clearly that, like, that's not how women were then. So it was like yeah. she was the exception, you know what I'm saying, to yeah. that, I think, for them. Especially in the area. Like, no women were, like, they would just kind of even be quiet when she would go to yeah. visit, you know? And so it was just interesting that, that, like, both of them were kind of, like, being flirtatious. Oh, we like your fire. But then sometimes if she got too fiery, they'd be like, oh. <laughs> Okay, so the next thing, um, the next segment that we have is the God factor. So what I, the question that I want to pose to everyone here is very, this is a Christian fiction podcast. This is a very extremely Christian fiction book in every way. No doubts about it. Um, mm -hmm. But what was one thing that really stood out to everyone about this first, I did not tell them that I was going to say this, but what is one thing that stood out to everyone about the first half that you were just like, that maybe like really 
like spoke to your heart or was like a really like impactful? Did any of you guys have that? An impactful God moment? I'm ready. Yeah, go go for it, Madeline. She literally just like adjusted her arms like she was ready to stretch her out. Let's go. Say it. Um, first of all, so many things. Yeah. It's first of all, can I see something sure. right here? Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. <clears throat> so there were several things that really stood out to me. Um I mean, this book is very like like you said, Morgan, it's mm-hmm. it's an extreme example of Christian fiction. Mm-hmm. God is woven into every line of this book mm-hmm. in, on, I think, a beautiful way. Absolutely. Um, I, I think this, this development of Christie's faith, it's through the second half as well, but there's definitely this like beautiful arc that we start to see of like her faith developing in the first half is just so beautiful. And I think so like... Hum, like there's almost like a humblingness, humility yes. that you have to like, that was coming on me when I was reading it because it was like I could see myself, mm-hmm. you know, times where like I've struggled in my faith or times where I've stepped out and like taken a leap of faith with the Lord mm-hmm. or when I've questioned God or had doubts and like to see those reflected, it was like almost like you know you can see those own mm-hmm. like th- own areas in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's beautiful. This We all have to walk this. Like, we all get to walk this. Yeah. And her setting that she walked it in was just an extreme one. Mm-hmm. So it's very, like, dramatic and, <laughs> and beautifully played out. Um, so that was, that, I mean, that whole kind of story arc of her faith is really impactful to me. But also what I find interesting is, I mean, it's truly an arc. Mm-hmm. So in those beginning chapters, you see her, like questioning a lot of things in a way that's like almost jarring Mm -hmm. um like i think about uh her encounter like when she goes to the oteal cabin um that was was especially Mm -hmm. jarring to me um when she sees uh i think his name is wilmer yes Mm-hmm. The oldest O'Teal boy who mm-hmm. is epileptic, mm-hmm. and um, we would probably has say has some sort of has some today, sort maybe. of. I mean, he might have had epilepsy. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. he couldn't. It didn't seem like he a yeah. communicator. He was really take care of himself yes. very much. Yeah. So he had some sort of a mental issue. It could have just been the epilepsy. Yeah. Whatever. We yeah. don't know his full. We don't have his diagnosis in front of us. Um, We're also not medical professionals, <laughs> for the record. Uh, no, we aren't. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good disclaimer. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think she says something in that, and that's one of the, that's an early chapter that's in early the book. Chapter, yeah. I think it's like before chapter 10. Yeah, like, so sure. it's an early chapter. Mm-hmm. And she says something, like one of her thoughts when she's, trying to look away from Wilmer in the pen that they set up for him so that he doesn't, you know... Escape and run away and hurt himself. Exactly. Um, so it's a out of love. Is she right says, is, is she says, like, how embarrassing for Swanee, his mother, she says, how embarrassing, how embarrassing it would be to have a child like this. Or mm-hmm. how mortifying it would be mm-hmm. that you brought a child like this into the world. Mm-hmm. And she says that, and to me, that was like, why would you say that, yeah. Christy? You know, mm-hmm. but it's like that you you get this glimpse into this like very young baby 
heart yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that she has and that she's going to learn so much. It's kind of like her first glimpse into like, sorry, sweetie, the real world ain't pretty. Yeah, right. And guess what? Mm-hmm. You don't get to choose what you're given in life. You just yeah. get to choose how you're going to think about it and mm-hmm. how you're going to react to it. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of the things. And then also with the with Opal McCone's baby mm-hmm. um, and just her mortification. And one of the questions I wrote down is, when does this kind of like judgment that we see in this beginning where she's judging Swanee mm-hmm. O'Teal, she's judging Opal McCone. Even like, Dr. Neil mm-hmm. McNeil she judges. Oh, when does yeah. this judgment of the mountain people like turn into compassion? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's what you see over the course of the novel. Yes. Is that like that judgment, like it does truly and genuinely change to... Yes compassion and I think that's part of like you see individual characters have a redemptive story arc but I think that's that's Christie's redemptive story arc mm-hmm. is this like this mm-hmm. this change of her own heart who she was a Christian to begin mm-hmm. with quote unquote quote unquote but like this true redemption of her heart yeah. from really not being able to see these people for mm-hmm. who they are at all and and then suddenly she does see them <laughs> over time. She mm-hmm. does see them for who they really are. And it's like this reflection also of, I think that, I think it's in chapter five in the beginning, Alice Henderson, when she's first meeting Alice Henderson, mm-hmm. she has this conversation with Alice about the mountain people. Alice is like describing them in this like beautiful way. It's almost like romantic the way that mm-hmm. she's describing yes. them. And like Christy's like getting so excited to meet them. And she's yeah. like, and then when she meets them, she's like, what? Alice, this is disgusting. <laughs> but it's like, it, it's a picture yes. of like this is what's going to happen to you. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you're going to fall in love with these people, and the love of God is going to mm-hmm. change your heart, and you're going to see them, see these children and these people the way that Jesus sees them. Yeah, and it's ugh, it's such a beautiful story arc, and yes. I but those moments in the beginning that are like so startling, it just makes that arc so much mm-hmm. more like powerful. I think. Yeah, yeah. That was the That's big awesome. God thing wow. that stood out to me. Yeah, it's very powerful. Well, and I think too for me, it was seeing moments where like she was testing her faith because I think that there's a lot of it like Madeline was saying where like she comes and she's like this she basically I think is like a baby Christian and she also comes like full of ideas and excitement and everything and I think she also looks to Miss Alice almost as a god in a way and I think that there's something to be said that there's definitely been times in life when like you almost idolize someone else's faith as part of your own and I think that she's discovering what I think a lot of us did at least I did in my early 20s of you know you're out on your own trying to figure it out and I have these memories of in my own life of moments where it was like if God doesn't come through in this moment I don't know what's gonna not even like oh I'm like in danger or something but just like whatever I was going through do you know what I'm saying and so I think that like for her it was also like she was going through that experience as well where it was like especially the I know we mentioned it but when she literally talks to Miss Alice because she also like in the beginning takes everything Miss Alice says so seriously and then I think Mm -hmm. she realizes that Miss Alice she talks a lot about her silence and that was something that I took from the book a lot is that like she learned to be okay with silences which is like mm, hard for me to imagine (laughs) but like I also think that in the right setting that like silence can be as powerful as 
talking, yeah. which... Oh, yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. so I think that... And I, I know that that's not how I live, but I'm saying that... I'm sure that's the thing. <laughs> I've heard it works for other people. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I feel like she starts to grow her own legs and also believe yes. what... Because also, too, then, like, she's looking to... Because she talks a lot about the faith that her pastor talks about and the faith that her parents had throughout, especially in the beginning. And, like, she kind of goes to David sometimes for things, and he'll be like, oh, I don't want to get into it, all the theology of it. I, I can't give you all the answers and some of it's like that's actually helpful because there is sometimes where like a simple question that actually has a complex answer because in her mind it was like a simple question I want a yes or no I want you to define something so um I think that it's it's really interesting to me that like you see her faith kind of evolve but also de-evolve along the way too which is I think the human condition and that felt very realistic and because the whole book is written in her tone of voice I think that you really get a sense for the fact that like because even she would talk about something and then like the next chapter something would happen that would like shake everything yeah she'd be like in the mountains and experiencing God with fair light because she was so entranced by the beauty and then something would happen and she'd be like wait how is that do you know what I'm saying yeah um and so I I think that that for me that that felt like a very real like personal struggle that I could really understand and so to me that that's the reason why I was like this is why this book has captured so many hearts is Mm -hmm. because there's this simplicity in her faith development but also it's in a very as as Madeline said very complicated world like she's faced with things that like never in a million years would she think she had to face with like the reality of not judging someone and using God's eyes when like there's human excrement and pigs walking around, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, yes. like literally, and like, so I just think it's, that's what I took away from it, was the God factor, was her own faith journey, and then also how like she would challenge others, but also then challenge herself in a way, and I found that like very insightful and useful, so what about you, Morgan? That's awesome. I mean, mine were honestly a combination of what you said, so I won't go into um, as, as much in depth, but yeah, I was really struck with, um, Two characters, Alice Henderson and Fairlight Spencer, basically any scene that they were in, I felt like just lit this like beautiful picture of of God's um like how <laughs> how God can make everything lovely, mm-hmm. basically. And so I just was really struck with that because basically anytime they were on the page, you just, and you guys like both talked about this, but just like lit this different perspective mm-hmm. to things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that that was really beautiful. And I, it just made me really like kind of reflect on like, I, you know, like I want to be that for other people. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to be someone <laughs> who brings mm-hmm. with me who can walk into a room and not because of anything that I'm doing, but because the love of God flows through me and people feel that and then are able to see the loveliness of of God and what his love can make the unlovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and so that was really, really um inspiring. And then also um, like what you were saying, Odette, just kind of the very, um, the accessibility of seeing, like walking through Christie's faith journey yes. with her. Just how it, you, like you just see yourself in it. Yes. Um, whether you are a baby Christian or not, it's such a, a human thing. And it just is like what anybody who's walked through faith and who's walked through hard times 
can yeah, relate absolutely. to the things that she's thinking and feeling, even if you haven't been in that extreme situation, in some way you can. And I thought that that was really beautiful because, yeah. again, it makes it so accessible to everyone. Because yes. it's like, every, like we've all felt Which those is that things. How it right? is. Absolutely. Yeah. And I thought that that was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay, so to wrap up this part one, we're going to talk about highlights or problematic moments. Yes. So I thought maybe, like, does everybody have maybe, like, one – one like this was a high for me in the first half, and this was a really a low for me. I can think of those. Maybe? Yeah. yeah. Do you want to go okay. first? Yeah, I I have mine. Yeah. So, um, my kind of my favorite highlight part in the first um, half of the book was the opening day of school, and just meeting all of the kids. I I loved that. Like you just see all of the kids' personalities, and even though Christy was having a hard time, I think that you could see, like her giftings were as a school teacher and with these children and you could see that kind of coming through because mm -hmm. she was just connecting with those kids and they were glomming onto her in the best way yeah. um and so i just thought that that was super great so that was my high um and then my low or problematic problematic whatever i didn't really i didn't think anything was really yeah, problematic you did give it five stars to so. me well i mean i had like low points or whatever but to me problematic i didn't I was looking at like this as, okay, so this is a retelling of someone's actual life story. So this is stuff that, it's definitely a fictionalized account, but probably some of the stuff actually happened. So to me, it was like the problematic things were like, these are probably how people behaved. Mm -hmm. so, so it felt it, weird it to call be them issue, problematic, but, but like, people's lives, right. So. so, right. So the things that I, the stuff that I had the hardest time with was just depictions of the way that people were treated. Just like with yes. the feuding and the name calling and the, you know, um, the O'Teal cabin, that was a really tough scene. Just stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But again, it was depictions of like life mm -hmm. in early 1900s, but also in a town that was probably very poverty stricken, but then also like living as if it were even before the 1900s. Yeah. So problematic, I feel like is a weird word to use for it. I don't know. I just I didn't like any of those because yeah. it was like it makes right. it made me uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Right. Yeah. What about you, Madeline? Um, <clears throat> we'll know next time that you're gonna ask us these questions. Uh, <laughs> she, honestly, she prepared a wrote note and then didn't bother to. Honestly, I don't I don't know if there's like a section that I can highlight as being like, uh, this was my favorite. Obviously, I don't know. Like I don't know. Yeah. If there's a section. Uh, something that I love about this first half, because in the second half it's a little bit more story plot driven, and in the first half you get some more um, background. You you get more descriptive mm -hmm. kind of um, sections, and I love that. <laughs> big big Thomas Hardy fan, so I love those kind of like rolling pastoral descriptions. I love it. Do you like Thomas Hardy? Yes, those. I, I'm talking specifically about his pastoral oh, descriptive okay. like pages that he'll go on yes, just yes. talking about meadows and sheep and I, I love it. It's beautiful to me. Um, John Keats fan if that tells you anything. Um, so I love Marshall's like goes into these she's obviously mm -hmm. not as long winded as Hardy. Um, <laughs> which we're all thankful for. Honestly. Um, uh, but she goes into these descriptions of the flowers and the mountains, and I just mm -hmm. love that. And then also I feel like she has such a – she's like a wordsmith mm -hmm. because she really draws you into that world. And even, like, her description of 
textiles. Like she describes a lot of it's textiles amazing. in that first half of the book, and it's like you can feel you can them. feel them. It's you can amazing. Feel them. It's stunning. It's, That's a huge highlight for me. Yeah, I just, she's a stunningly beautiful writer. Her writing style mm-hmm. to me is just like incredible. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's, it feels like you're reading a much older book. It does, mm-hmm. which I thought was very impressive. Like yes. it really feels like something that was published much before but 1967. Like maybe 1912? <laughs> yeah, it feels like it yeah, could have been exactly. published in 1912. Um, feels like you're reading, it's just mm-hmm. a dignified way of writing that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I think a low point <clears throat> or a problematic point for me um Again, not really like a problem. I, I think it's just more something that I don't like about the story. It's just like the mountain people's view of God and mm-hmm. and how you you start to get this insight into like how they see God as this mm-hmm. kind of like person you don't want to make upset or else he'll crack his whip and you mm-hmm. take your child, yeah. you know, and as punishment. Right. And it's kind of like. <clears throat> This 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 heavy lifting work that Alice Henderson is doing to try to yeah. change their minds about who God is, mm-hmm. and that's it's just depressing. It's depressing to be already in a poverty stricken area, mm-hmm. yeah, with little access to things that are uh, like medical supplies, good mm-hmm. food, and then on top of that, to have this worldview that is so like oppressive, mm-hmm. and to believe that God is so against you, yeah, yeah. is really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for me, a highlight I would say is I was loving the development in this first section. I was Team David for sure in this first. Oh, Team David! Yes, I was okay. Team David, and I was kind of honestly annoyed. And I would say a low point at certain times was her interactions with Doctor Neil McNeil because I felt like it seemed as though like David was being very genuine and helpful, and like there was things that I was like appreciating about that, and I felt like like he was creating a space for her to be herself and like do you know what I'm saying and like talking to her and it it just seemed like a sweet friendship that you were like oh this is clearly going to be something more you know as you get into it but I felt like Dr. Neil McNeil and was just kind of like he, he just seemed to come out of left field and his perspectives were very helpful and like in the sense of like he was giving her different perspectives but it felt to me like there was this like and you obviously know like Morgan said like you obviously know these are the two interests yeah. but like I was 100% like team David this guy's annoying to me like he and not even like a good annoying like ooh like like one of those like um pull uh in well that's in romantic comedies which this isn't but like the 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 um, meat cute the yes the meat the pole pole the pole pole like it wasn't like in classic enemies to lovers yes exactly (laughs) classic classic but i i just thought that david was like i I was like this guy is like the real deal and so like for me i think a high was watching like that kind Mm -hmm. of develop and like seeing him and like how earnest they were i also really appreciated how she would like get an idea and work really hard to solve it and that's something that i do a lot in my life and like even how she'd be like let me think outside the box and do things that like because this book was like written about someone in the early 1900s yes we're mm-hmm. reading it now but like I really appreciated that about it and yeah. uh, I think too one other highlight because there was a lot for me moments was when she taught Fairlight to read that was such a sweet oh my gosh and yes. when she and when she decides to like after she teaches her syllables in the alphabet she literally has her read Genesis one like eh, about mm-hmm. in the beginning yes or there was light and no there was no there was darkness and 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 there was lighter and God spoke or whatever mm-hmm. and just like the w- it just like the way she described it you're caught up in how incredible it is that we as humans can read yeah. and like yeah. see words and express them and then like 
get carried away. And I was mm-hmm. listening to this in my AirPods at work and just like in life for three days in a row. Mm-hmm. And I was literally like, I would have to like pull myself out because I felt like I was in the mountains hearing the babble of the brook and the, <laughs> kind of, like you just like, I can't, I'm so, so immersive. And honestly, this was my first audio book ever. I mean, I, th- I think last time I listened to a book on, it was literally a book on tape and it was like a cassette tape from the library or like the CDs. Remember you get them in the big plastic bag. Oh, yes. yes. So like, it's been a long time. So anyway, so I just really, really enjoyed that. And, yeah. Um, so, 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 that, awesome. so that was hot highlights. Yeah. yeah. So that is right, part guys, one. That's part one. So come back Amazing. in two weeks yes. for, for part two. Part two we will we'll get into the second half of Christy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, we will. So lovely. And um, since that that's the case, we're still yeah. on the, the nostalgia theme. Yeah. Awesome. All, All right. right. Well, Thanks for listening. Tune we'll, back in later. Yeah. <laughs> tune back in. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Follow us on Instagram at Redeeming Lit Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify so you don't miss any episodes. If you have any questions or book recommendations, email us at redeeminglitpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep keep it lit. lit!